Hi, this is Samantha and welcome to the Layman's Doctor podcast where we're bringing medicine home. Um, I'm apologizing from now if you have any um, problems with the audio or hear anything in the background. Um, we're practicing social distancing in the time of COVID and recording this episode online. Today I have with me a very special guest where we'll be talking all about blood donation and debunking some myths. Um, I'm going to ask Dr. Levy to introduce herself for us. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Levy. I work at the blood bank. I love everything blood. <laughs> From when I was a medical student, I have just been really interested in um, everything having to do with hematology and oncology. And now I found myself working with the Ministry of Health um, at NBTS, and that's where I am now. What? Oh, the National Blood, blood, transfusion. <laughs> blood transfusion Services. Yeah. Okay. So the reason why I asked you to come on today is because um, since COVID has been out, I've been noticing that um, there's been a lot of call for blood donation, um, especially no. I think it's because not a lot of persons are going out. Absolutely. So what usually happens is that we have a number of blood drives throughout the month, um, maybe minimum 15 blood drives for the month, and we go to different corporate entities. Um, and for each blood drive, we can get a minimum of a minimum of 20 donors. And so that us- that forms our reserve pool because most persons who will come to the blood bank are what we call replacement donors. And so those persons are donating for somebody else, but we still need to have a reserve in the bank for things like trauma, um, things that may go wrong in surgery. So we have to have a reserve. And with the cancellation of all the blood drives because of the restrictions on public gatherings, our reserve pool basically went to zero. And so we had to make a big call out for persons to come out. Um, We didn't have a big social media presence before, but we thought that it was absolutely necessary in this time to kind of up our social media presence and get persons to come out. And um, thankfully, it has been working. We are not where we want to be, but we are so grateful for our donors who come out. Oh, yeah. I actually never knew that. I didn't... I didn't I didn't know one that you guys actually did blood drives as much. I mean, I've been to a few, but I didn't know that. And I didn't know that when we go to the to the blood bank, it's mostly um replacement. So replacement means that someone has asked me to donate blood on their behalf, so I'm going to donate versus me voluntarily donating. Correct. So there's a difference, as you said, between a replacement donor and a voluntary donor. Um, and so our replacement donors are persons who come in to donate for somebody else. So it's just like any other bank. You make a deposit and there's a withdrawal. So with the replacement donors, we are so grateful for all our donors. But replacement donors are basically persons who come and donate blood. They make a deposit so that somebody can withdraw from the blood bank. But our voluntary donors now, those are the persons who come in. They're not donating for anybody. Um, these are the persons who we would normally get from our mobile drives. They form our reserve pool. So without having the mobile drives and without having our voluntary donors, our reserve pool is almost 
zero. And that that is a major, major, major problem that we're having right now. Okay, so when I went to donate the other day, I think it was earlier, late, late March, early April, um, somebody, somebody, one of the other donors that were there, um, this was at UE, at UE's Blood Bank, they were basically like, why is it that you have to volunteer? Why is it that there's no incentive to give him blood? Like, why isn't it that it maybe like get paid or get just some type of incentive for going and giving you blood um i'm not sure if my explanation was right but basically what i said was that when it's voluntary the quality of blood that you get is the best i think i had read somewhere on who back in fourth year when i was doing Mm -hmm. one of our research projects Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so So, why is it that there's no incentive that is absolutely true so we do not incentivize blood donation in Jamaica because we want to make sure that we have a safe blood supply. By incentivizing blood supply, the blood supply, um, meaning either with cash or something like that, you get persons who need the cash and will do things to their body to bring up their blood count or, you know, to make sure that they're able to donate blood. And we are not about that. We want to maintain a safe blood supply, and that is our number one priority, which is why we don't incentivize blood donation. It's a completely voluntary process, even though, as I said, we do separate the donors into voluntary donors, meaning that you're just giving out of just because you want to give, or a replacement donor where you're giving for somebody else. Okay, um, I think this is a great time to then segue into persons might be listening to this, um, either they've never heard of blood donation or just were never interested in it. I might be thinking this is something I could do. Um, what are maybe some of the some of the hmm, how do I phrase this? Like how do you know that you you can school drives where we have sixteen year olds but they have to have parental consent? And you have to have an adequate hemoglobin level. Um, when you are donating blood, one of the things that happen is that you get a finger prick and uh, we drop it in a copper sulfate solution to test the quality of the blood. And once your hemoglobin is above 12.5, you're able to donate. Um, persons are able to donate every three months. And that is because of the lifespan of the red cell is 120 days, which is three months. So we expect that once you've donated, you would have made up back that supply within that three month period so that you're able to donate again. All right. So there was just a little bit of a breakup there. But basically, um, for the part that wasn't clear, your hemoglobin, that's your blood count, how much blood you have in your body has to be at a good, a good level in order for them to take some and then... Um, you can donate every three months because by that time, it's expected that all the blood that you've given the three months before would have been replenished based on how long the blood cells can survive in or can live in the body. Correct. Um, you, must, you must weigh over 110 pounds and you must be between the ages of 16, 17 sorry, and 60. You can donate at 16, but you have to have parental consent. When I was in fourth year, we did a study. Um, on why why persons don't donate blood and um this this happened because when i was i think in third year um one of my family members needed blood and i had to ask some of my friends and colleagues to go out and donate 
So that was when my interest in doing blood donations and whatnot came to fruition. And from that, I think the biggest takeaways that we got were that people just weren't, I don't want to say aware, they just weren't, um, like they knew, they might have known about it, but they weren't necessarily reminded about it frequently or it just wasn't at the front of their minds. Mm-hmm. And that persons are afraid of the process itself. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you said that I like know that it's, it's become, even from before COVID, it's become more mainstream to talk about blood donation. I think a lot of persons, especially persons with, with big followings, have um, become more vocal on saying, you know, go out and donate. Or even when persons, you know, every time there is some big accident or somebody needs a surgery and you, you can now go to social media and ask for the public to donate. And I know a lot of times persons are mobilized by that. And sometimes it can end up... I mean, if you have... If you if I make one post and 20, 30 people go out and donate um, on behalf of me, it's sometimes unlikely that I'll use all of those donors. So it's good. I get my blood, but also the blood bank also get yes, some units absolutely. as well absolutely that happens a lot as you said especially with accidents or persons who make announcements for persons to donate um the person will definitely receive the blood but then the other um bags will go to other persons who are in need so it's not that the blood is wasted because you donated it for a specific person you know, the blood is used. I mean, we never have blood just laying around for nobody to use. <laughs> Not in Jamaica. That's that is true. That is true. Just I mean, just from working, um blood donations go on not blood donations, rather blood transfusions go on every every single day. And yeah, exactly, then I think what exactly. we what we don't I think what we don't know or a lot of persons don't know is not is that that when I give my bag of blood is not just used, all that is used by itself. It's broken down into its separate parts. Correct, correct. So as a matter of fact, what you donate, we never give that bag back to a person. Whole blood is rarely ever transfused. We break it up into packed red blood cells, um, plasma, which can either be frozen or stored, and platelets. So we hardly ever have whole blood transfusions. So, if we're gonna, if now that we've talked about some of the parts, so packed red cells, I think every, that one is simple. That's that's the part that carries the oxygen. Correct. Right. Correct. So, but what are what are the other uses? Because um, we always talk about you know if somebody's in an accident or if someone needs surgery, that's kind of the main thing. Mm-hmm. But and what about for persons who maybe maybe have um certain medical illnesses where one part of their something in their blood is missing and my donation can help that person mm-hmm. so i mean you have other parts of the blood like plasma like persons who not to use medical jargon but persons who are for example third spacing um and we need to get back meaning their blood is leaking basically out of their vessels and we need to get the blood back into the vessels you can give them things like plasma and that will increase the pressure and allow the blood to come back into the vessel and a lot of persons have i mean there are a lot of medical conditions that are associated with third spacing and persons don't know about it and then there's things like platelets 
I mean, platelets are such a scarce commodity. Uh, a lot of persons don't know that it takes nine donors. It takes nine donors to make one dose of platelets. Mean just one bag of platelets. And say, for example, you have a 70 kilogram man. He needs seven bags of platelets. So he would need seven times nine. He would need 54 donors to get his entire dose of platelets. I am, wait, wait, I am shook. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So people think we're just out here, you know, just, just, you know, playing food, you know, just having fun asking you to come in. No, we need you. Jamaica needs you. You have the gift of life, right? It, a 70 kilogram man, if, if, for example, he had a platelet dysfunction and he was bleeding and we found out that it was platelets that he needed, he would need 54 donors to get one That's adequate dose of platelets. Yeah. And the thing is, dengue is one of those illnesses that affects exactly. your platelets like exactly. crazy. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it's not even just dengue because just going back in my mind, I've had so many low platelet patients with low platelets. Mm -hmm. But the other, thing to, the other thing to consider too is that when is platelet transfusion actually needed? For example, a person with a platelet count less than 50, but not bleeding. That person doesn't really need platelets. A person mm -hmm. who, need pla who needs platelets is a person who has a platelet count of less than 10 or 20, depending on where you're practicing, or a patient who is actively bleeding and you know it's because of platelet dysfunction. So a lot of person requests platelets, but does the patient actually need a platelet? So that is something that, you know, I think there needs to be more communication about within the medical fraternity, who actually needs platelets. Definitely. That's definitely because just trying to get, um, well, just trying to get platelets is really, really difficult because it's not something that we usually have. And we do go... Um, every 10 kilograms is one bag and mm -hmm. I'm sorry but the average patient is not it's 70, not 70 kilograms. kilograms exactly and then platelets the other thing about platelets too is they, ex they expire after 4 days yes yes. They, ex they expire after 4 days so once they're there they go okay I like that you brought up that there needs to be more communication mm -hmm. um, because I, 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 I am really big on that in, in not just knowing about my own department, but also other ones. So the lab, physiotherapy, um, the nursing staff, so on, just so we can understand what is done and even try and improve how we interact and um, treat the patient. Because we're, we, are, we are a team, you know, we all make up yes, a part of the patient management team. Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't know, going to blood, going to the blood bank at my hospital is one of my favorite things because mm -hmm. I've learned, I've learned a lot of things. So even for example, with how to transfuse, you know, the whole FFP with a sliver, it's getting kind of medical now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, 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 um, just stuff like that. So, you know, knowing how to transfuse, um, knowing how long to wait. Mm -hmm. And even the fact of like, if I don't, if you, if I can't get, for example, I'm B positive, but there's no B positive blood, that there are alternatives that Absolutely. can be given. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we, education. 
Go ahead. Education, education, absolutely. And which is why we are so grateful also to persons who are all negative because they can give to everybody. So we always are, you know, we always look out for our own negative donors and so grateful for them. And to, just to go back to um, the medical side of it and the communication, you know, things like the fact that a platelet transfusion is a bolus and that you should never use a filter bag like what you would do with a packed red cell. I mean, mm-hmm. those are things that, you know, sometimes persons don't remember. What about FFP? How do you give that? Is it also a bolus or is it no, over? You don't have to give FFP as a bolus. You can give it over a time period, but platelets for sure is a bolus and not mm-hmm. not a, a transfusion bag. So it should not be oh. filtered. Okay. Okay, will it take away some of the platelets from the filter? <laughs> it actually will. It actually will. Oh. <laughs> yes, it will. It will. Okay, so they, yeah. they don't... Um, well, at least I can speak from my hospital. Um, they do a good job at saying that. So they, they'll, they'll say it with the platelets. They'll be like, remember to keep it agitated. Remember um, to use a rig. They actually don't give you a filter bag. So we don't keep the blood transfusion set on the wards they're all kept at the blood bank so oh, we, if okay, we don't get okay. it we don't, yeah so if you don't need it you don't get it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then uh, i know there'll be like ffps with a sliver of ice and <laughs> like okay <laughs> thanks yeah. and yeah. but so but yes um but i'm liking i think that apart from I think the education is needed on both sides of the fence. Um, Jamaica is a population with freight and needle. Yes. And I think is. that fear of needles can sometimes stop us. Um, just And it's funny because when I was at UA, again, donating, um, when I was in the room at the time, it was only women there, and all of them were donating on behalf of somebody else. You know? And I remember one lady saying, man... I'm afraid a needle, um, but she need the blood. I have to do this for her, blah, blah. So it was like, it was this, it was this sense of, uh, yeah, even though the, the needle is there and whatnot, the person whoever I'm donating for needs the blood much more than I can be afraid of this needle stick. So, which is, which is what? why we, we get a lot of replacement donors as opposed to voluntary donors because people are afraid of needles. And it is also why our blood supply is considered one of the safest in the world because Jamaican persons don't use IV drugs. <laughs> so, I mean, the fear of needles actually, you know, it has its pros and its cons, but a lot our, our blood supply remains safe because we don't have a big population of persons in Jamaica that use IV drugs. I am laughing so hard at that right now. You can't hear me. But <laughs> it is so yeah. true. Yeah. It is so true. Like just seeing the needle can can just get you get the most surprising reactions from persons. And I'm using and that's why when I talk about blood donation, I really don't, I like to just say, yes, is uh, you get a needle stick. I don't like to talk about the size of the needle, mm-hmm. nothing like that, you know, mm-hmm. because I've found that every time I've donated that I'm not encouraged to look at it. I know the size of the needle based on being in medical practice. But whenever I go to donate, you know, you kind of, your head is turned to the side, the do 
a little stick and then they cover the needle and all the pictures have the needles covered so you're not really there to see it um i have a question Mm-hmm. Do you do you think that now that maybe it might be hard because of COVID, but now with social media, not just your personal social media, but other people speaking out and calling out and all that stuff, that we are seeing more people coming to donate? I definitely think that we have seen an increase in the voluntary donations. Absolutely, we have, de- and I and I thank the Jamaican population for that because. Persons are, are are answering the call, and I'm so grateful for it because without the blood drives, we would basically only have replacement donors. And now that we don't have the blood drives, and we've been asking persons to come out, they definitely have. And I, I'm, I mean, we are so grateful because what would we have as a reserve pool otherwise? That's true. Can we just go through the process? Like just walks, walk whoever is listening the process. What are some of the questions they're expected to hear? Um, do they have to do any kind of test? I know we talked about the, the copper sulfate test. Is it where you check how much, how much, what your blood, yeah, what your blood count right. is? Right. Okay. So once you come to any blood collection center, you have to have some form of ID. Um, and the first thing that you do is registration. Um, at the Slipen Road branch is where all the cards are kept. And so if you come to donate at the Slipen Road branch, they can actually pull your, what we call a yellow card to see how many times you've ever donated in life. But at the other collection centers, you just have a pink card. Um, so you register. The next thing you do is you go to what we call station two. And this is where we check your blood count and we check what blood group you are. So you get a small stick on your finger that is dropped into a little solution. If it sinks, you're okay. And if it floats, that means your hemoglobin is not high enough for you to donate. Um, And you can also, at that point, you're you're also told your blood group. Once your your blood count is good enough for you to donate, then you head around to the donation chair. In the donation chair, somebody will come to you. And they're usually very nice because we know that persons are nervous. Um, you have a tourniquet applied, which is basically just something tight around the upper part of the arm. And they'll insert the needle into the antecubital fossa or the, the inside part of your elbow. And most persons will take about 10 minutes to bleed. Some persons take a little bit longer. You know, it just differs by the person and the size of the vein. And then once you're finished, you get a light refreshment, usually a fruit drink, or if we have at the time... Uh, Malta, and then you're advised what to do after donation, which includes no strenuous activity for 24 hours and no heavy lifting on the arm that you give the donation. So, one thing that's kind of on trend now is the keto diet, or even dietary things where people don't don't eat sugar or cut out parts of their um cut out certain food groups in a diet. Now, most of the refreshments are either a sugary drink or or a malta something like that i don't know if you've ever come in contact with someone who says no i don't eat sugar i don't drink sugar what are their alternatives to to are they able to donate and after they're finished what do they the candidate go out and get a refreshment for themselves or they're encouraged to go and eat something after Mm-hmm. Okay, so prior to donation, persons should eat within three hours. So whatever it is that you want to eat within three hours of donating is fine. After donating, if you don't want to have the fruit punch, that's fine as well. But we do, 
um, suggest that you have at least a liter of water then if you're not going to have the fruit punch. At least a liter of water immediately following donation. And then throughout the rest of the day, we, in, we suggest to all persons to have at least two liters of water. Oh, okay. Okay. Because um, that was one thing I was wondering because um, I, know, I know quite a few people who are just like, nope, I'm not into sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which, is, which is fine because even the Ministry of Health says, you know, cut back on the sugary drink. So if you mm-hmm. don't want it, it's not a problem. We just advise that you then have one liter of water. Okay. And so, how much how much blood do you actually take? So we take one pint, which uh, we use a metric exactly. We use a metric system now. (laughs) Um, So you know, basically, a lot of persons know it as one pint, but it's really four hundred and fifty mils of blood that's taken. And um, the human body has five liters. So mm-hmm. taking off 450 mils, you'll be Second. fine after donation. Most persons are completely fine after donation. They, fi- they feel no difference at all. Some persons may experience a little dizziness on getting up out of the chair. And we suggest that once they get up, they stand still before they move off. Um, but most persons are fine after donation. Oh, that question was for me, if you couldn't tell. I've, I've, I've always wanted to know. Like, I'm just like, how much blood is in this? Yes. How much- <laughs> it's 450 mils. <laughs> so, all right. So I think, I think what I, just from being in school to know, I think what's happening is awesome. I really love the fact that persons who have a lot of influence in Jamaica are using their platforms and speaking out and encouraging persons to go and donate. Um, how do you guys feel about, okay, so from what I see, it's just, um, persons not really having it at the forefront of their mind, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to donate, I'm going to donate. And then secondly, it might be inconvenient for some persons. So I don't know if at National Chess Hospital, they always had the Saturday, um, donation time, but I think that's, that's, that's way more convenient, I think for a lot of persons now. Rather than um the in the in the workday type time period that you had, so is there going to be a way where persons who are maybe voluntary donors to be reminded that hey your, your three months are coming up, you should donate, come and donate, you know. Yes, so we're actually working on that. No, um, National Chest has actually always been open on a Saturday. You no. Know? <laughs> But really? yes, it has always been open on a Saturday. But I think persons, as you said, have forgotten about it or are not reminded about it. And I think with the mm-hmm. big social media push that we're having now, persons are reminded of all the collection centers, even outside of Kingston. Um, and yes, we are working on a way that we can remind persons that, hey, your three months is up. Come in. Time to donate. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> I would yeah. love that. Because, yes. you know, it's, it's you did it three months, unless you set an alarm or set a reminder. You really don't remember. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. even for me, I try to, I try my best to live by example. I try to whatnot. But the la- I realized when I went to UA, they told me the last time I had given them blood. And they said the last time I gave them blood was in 2018. And it was mm. to donate 
actually for somebody who I knew off of social media. So I went to mm-hmm. go and donate for like, you know, one of those friends you meet online. Right, right. And I I was like, wait, what? But I said, I donated. And no, it's crazy because even when the only reason why I went was because I was just getting a lot of reminders. I was seeing it on social media. Um, You guys had messaged me. My friend had messaged me. And I'm just like, okay, fine. I have the free time. I had some, I had a, like a, a day off. And I said, okay, I'm in Kingston anyways. Let me just go and do it. Mm-hmm. And it was really mm-hmm. the consistent, consistent man. And, I, and I'm there thinking, trying to rack my brain like, no, man, I donate at least once a year. Time flies. Time flies. Three months will be out. Like, trust me, three months will go like that. And you won't even remember that it's time for you to donate again. So, yes, we're definitely, absolutely working on that. Um, to get person to get you know to be able to remind persons, and we will continue to keep up our social media presence because, as I said, it started because of COVID, because of not being able to do our blood drives. But we will absolutely because our Twitter page actually was just started in March 2020. Um, oh. and so we will continue to you know maintain that presence so persons can always remember um about blood donation and how much persons actually need it. I'm I'm glad to hear that. And I'm advocating, you know where I work. I'm advocating for us to have our own. <laughs> I know we had one. We had yes, one before. But whoever is listening to this, you know, whoever has the powers, wink, wink, you can hit <laughs> me up. I want a blood collection center back at my workplace. We're one of, we're, we're a pretty big hospital, you know, in Jamaica. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are a nice, <laughs> we are a nice type B hospital mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. thousands of patients, you know, mm-hmm. we're getting a lot of support and help from the ministry. So maybe we can get, you know, our own collection site. Again, I heard we had one already, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we could have a collection site. Also, we have a lot of pregnant mothers that come in and, you know, they need their blood donor slips. Absolutely. At least two. Absolutely. So everybody who is pregnant, everybody that's pregnant, ask two people at least to go out and donate blood on your behalf. I'll, I'll tell you, that's where we get most of our replacement donors from. Baby mothers who need their two donor slips. <laughs> I can't imagine because yes. obstetrics is something that can go from okay to not okay in a second. In a second, yeah. And yeah. I mean, a lot of persons have heard about what happened with Denique, um, where she lost 4.8 liters of blood during her mm-hmm. her delivery. And That's you just said we have five liters. Blood volume, yeah. Exactly. And a comment, a comment I saw under the post was, if if um this if this had happened in Jamaica, um, where would she have gotten the blood from? Yeah. And I'm like, we know that our blood bank is short. So now you need to put what they call it when you're like 
for your country or patriotic spirit <laughs> yeah. to, and go and replenish the blood replenish bank the blood bank absolutely absolutely replenish yes. the blood bank yes well, if we're we're seeing one of our favorite artists um go through it and we're seeing it right in front of our eyes where you can be pregnant one moment and losing almost entire blood volume so pregnant women especially especially need to ensure that they get the donors that's mm-hmm. that's paramount everybody going into surgery get your blood donors but other than that even if you don't know anybody just go out donate we're all at home now during the non-curfew hours just yes, take your time yes yes oh all this about blood donation and we have not spoken about where, <laughs> where it can go <laughs> Okay, so our donor centers, <laughs> our blood collection centers are um, the main blood bank, which is at Slipen Road. We're open daily from 8 to 4. Also at the University Hospital of the West Indies, there's a blood collection center there. They are open from 9 to 3. And on a Saturday, National Chest Hospital is open from 9 to 3. And then we have our collection centers outside of Kingston are the Port Antonio Hospital, St. Anne's Bay Hospital, Falmouth Hospital, Maypen Hospital, Mandeville Regional Hospital, Cornwall Regional Hospital, and Savannah Lamar Public General Hospital. That's outside of Kingston. But in Kingston, you can check us at the main blood bank on Slipen Road, at the University Hospital of the West Indies, and on Saturdays, we're at Chest Hospital. Okay, so thank you so much, Dr. Levy. Absolutely. So follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. We are at one, that's the number one, Blood Bank JA. Okay. Um any encouraging words for persons who might be listening to this but they're not yet convinced that they that blood donation is for them. Yes. Blood donation is for everybody. At some point you may know somebody or somebody may know somebody who is going to need blood. And even if that is not incentive enough, once you've donated three times, you can get a donor card. And once you have a donor card, and if you ever end up in hospital, nobody will have to donate for you because you are a voluntary blood donor and we will pull out all the stops for you. So I'd like to encourage every single person who is able to, who is healthy, who is over 110 pounds, who is between the ages of 17 and 60, come out and donate blood it is a gift of life okay that was fantastic thank you so much for speaking <laughs> with me um about and blood thank you for having me um, thank you for having me so for anybody listening that wants to get in contact with me i'm on instagram and on twitter at the layman's doctor that's at the layman's dr and you can email me at the layman's doctor at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on one of these episodes on whatever platform you're listening to this to please subscribe um leave a comment and rate thank you so much for listening